Hello and welcome back to There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm your host TK, a high school teacher and pop culture enthusiast. In this episode, Reset, Restore, Rebuild. I'm joined by Brandon, Emmy, and Clinton from the hilarious MCU Review podcast aptly titled MCU in Review. And we discuss The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 3, Power Broker. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can follow me for updates and behind-the-scenes extras at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the episode. Today, I am joined by three very special guests who I am thrilled and honored to welcome to the show. It's Brandon, Emmy, and Clinton from the podcast MCU in Review. Thank you for joining me today, guys. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. So I found your show, MCU in Review, right around the time I was beginning my podcast, and we connected online. I followed your account on social media. You followed my account on social media. We chatted a little bit here and there. I started listening to your show, and you were doing the movies at the time. And I have to say, you know, it really is very surreal in a way to be talking to you here tonight because I am a fan of what you do, and it's it's really exciting to as you were saying before, Brandon, before we started recording, like merge the two worlds that we uh, operate in. So thank you so much. Thank you. That's very nice. <laughs> no, thank you for having us. And honestly, yeah, we are huge fans of yours. And uh, it's just awesome that we both get to kind of collaborate with one another. We look forward to having you on our show and we're happy <laughs> to be here today. So it's awesome. Love a crossover event. This is our Avengers right here. <laughs> exactly. So I always start with a question for all of my new guests so that listeners can get a little bit of a feel for who you are. And that is, what is your relationship to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I figure we can go around and whoever wants to start can kick us off and share a little bit about that. Relationship to the MCU. Well, she's an ex, but we have kids together. So we decided to stay. Wait, but- Clinton. No, no, no. The Marvels. Oh, okay. 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 I got you. Got you. Um, No, (laughs) I grew up uh, reading comics. And so, of course, as a comic fanboy, when they started doing movies, well, I guess technically they started doing movies before Marvel, the Marvel Universe or Marvel Studios started. But um, when I saw Iron Man, I was like, they're doing it right. And I was ecstatic about them actually doing a universe. And I don't think I remember it at the beginning being connected or I didn't have an idea it was going to be connected with the future movies. But when they started doing continuity with every movie, I was on board. So it was just like inner kid fanboy getting to see it on the big screen. I was hooked. So that's where it started for me young. I wish I would have kept all my comics because they probably would have been worth a lot now. But I don't think anybody knew it would take off like this. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, I was a huge Batman fan in high school. I kind of just fell in love with like the superhero genre. And so I kind of watched everything, but Batman was like, that was my dude. I love <laughs> the strong silent type. Um, and then Iron Man came out. It was fantastic. Case closed. I was absolutely sold. I wanted to see them all from that moment. And they got me to see the Hulk just by having Robert Downey Jr. in the end of that film for three seconds. It was. It definitely started with the... With Batman, <laughs> and then and then got into Iron Man. Awesome. Oh man, yeah. Um, mine started when I was about five, six years old. Uh, it was my brother's friend. Uh, he had a 
two garbage sacks full of toys that he was about to donate. And instead he gave it to me because that sounds like the best thing in the world to do. And he dumped all these, it was everything Marvel DC had never seen these characters before in my entire life. And there was a 10 inch toy biz. I know that cause I looked it up years later. I didn't know it at the time, <laughs> a 10 inch toy biz, Iron Man figure. That was my favorite because all of them were pretty tiny except Iron Man. Iron Man was huge and awesome. And uh, that's, that was kind of my journey with the character. And then 2008 Iron Man came out and I just remember thinking there's no way they can make this movie work. There's no way that it's going to work. Um, and it had a completely different feel than anything else I had seen in the superhero genre up until that point. Um, it was witty. It was funny. It was serious. Uh, it was uh, traumatic at times. And it was uh, just a beautiful piece of cinema. And to Clinton's point, I did not realize, you know, kind of what Nick Fury says at the beginning, you're part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. I, we didn't know it. And, uh, it was a wonderful start. Uh, best way you could have kicked off this entire cinematic universe was that movie. And, uh, it's cool to see kind of how far we've come and now we get to enjoy it weekly from our television sets. So it's really cool. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And thanks for drawing my attention to that journey of, of just how far it really has come and thinking back to 2008, and seeing Iron Man for the first time and seeing Robert Downey Jr., whose birthday is today. Hey, happy birthday, Robert Downey Jr. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. He he's, listens to us. He's we, definitely allegedly. listening. Allegedly. I mean, if if he wasn't already listening to my show, he heard that you were going to be here. And so he yes. definitely is, is going to tune into us. this. New it's subscriber immediately. All us. RDJ himself. You're welcome for the crossover. <laughs> <laughs> I already texted him happy birthday this morning, but happy birthday, uh, Robert, again. How old is he, Amy? Because 56. Okay, you didn't know. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> so as I said, I am a big fan of what you all do over at MCU in Review. And I really do think of your show as an MCU review and analysis slash comedy podcast. I admire how in-depth and uh, how in-depth you get, and I really appreciate hearing how you all bring in different perspectives to it. It's such a great vibe. And honestly, I, I laugh out loud multiple times per episode. There's a lot of MCU podcasts out there. There's a lot that are amazing, and each has their own particular spin and the way they approach things. And for my relationship to your show, it's, it's the comedy that really gets me. And I think listeners can already hear some of the way that three of you interact with each other, which is really so special. That makes Thank you. me feel good. Thank you. Yeah. I Just saying from a perspective of being asked to be on the show on MC interview with Brandon, because this was kind of his baby that started. Um, I think at the beginning, I was a little nervous and just tried to come at it with, but we all got very comfortable with each other. And I think I, I can't go through a recording session with them without cracking up multiple times. So <laughs> we definitely have a good time and I'm glad that you see it or people see it as a, an analysis and kind of comedy. Cause we like to have a good time. Yeah. I, I think that's really well said Clinton is it, we never set out to make a comedy podcast ever. <laughs> and it was funny, just our vibe with each other, you know, Emmy Clinton, you know, when I, they asked, Hey, you're making a Marvel show. I'd love to be on it. They were supposed to show up on one episode. That was it. Wow. Uh, you no. Know, and if they, if it went well, maybe I'll have you on again later on. 
And after that first one, I, I immediately messaged him like a week later and I said, Hey guys, can you, do you want to do this till further notice? We're quarantined up. <laughs> Let's do. And both of them right away. Yes. Yes. I would love to. And we just kind of found a natural rhythm where we love Marvel but we also love laughing and we love spending time together. And I think you see this, the, the relationship of the three of us, but also just our, we are all three goofballs at the end of the day, <laughs> we're the class clowns trying to get the most laughs and uh, you see us try to one up each other, but it's always like, Oh, this person's here. This person's here. And uh, we just kind of keep trying to build upon it, but it's really something special. And when we hear, and we hear a lot of feedback, like, Oh my gosh, I was laughing so hard on this episode. Thank you so much for putting it out. Um, those are the best to me. Uh, those are the absolute best compliments to get is people just being able to listen to this MCU review, but also to be able to just let loose a little bit. Nothing so serious. Let's just laugh a little bit. So yeah. I want to correct you. I think that my uh, my contract was for two episodes at least because um, I don't know if you realized or not, but I was definitely coming back for Iron Man 2, whether you wanted me or not. <laughs> <laughs> because I love that movie. There it is. There it is. <laughs> and Iron Man 2 reference. Right. <laughs> Immediately out the gate. Immediately. Put a dollar in the jar, Amy. <laughs> okay. I'm going to buy a boat with my, with my Iron Man 2 money. <laughs> and I just think that it's a fun kind of behind the scenes thing that Clinton and I didn't meet for probably six months in person into recording. So we recorded with each other every week, but like still hadn't met in person. And I just, I think that that's kind of cool and wild and, um, a testament to how we've kind of built this relationship, even though we're not in person. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's incredibly special. It does come across in the way that your episodes sound to listeners and it sounds very special to be a part of. And I think that's why you have so many people who reach out. And when you did that episode on who do you identify with in the MCU and had people uh, share their thoughts, it was because I think you've created an environment that feels inviting for other people to join in on that conversation as well. And and as cheesy as it sounds to kind of feel like they're getting to know you in hearing your conversations with each other. So it really has been great listening to you. And I mentioned earlier when I first started listening to your podcast, you were reviewing the now, I guess, back catalog of movies. So I, I was interested to hear a little bit more about where the journey with the podcast has taken you. And if you want to share with listeners what your current coverage has been like, that would be great. The MCU <laughs> in our podcast journey. Yeah, just because we touched on it just a little bit there, mm -hmm. but really, um, I'll be honest with you. It was something that was always in the back of my, like, I've always had friends say, you know what, you should, you should do radio or you should do something like, you know, and uh, that buttery voice. It's and, undeniable. And you've, you've got the face for it. Uh, keep it radio, buddy. Keep it yeah. radio. There you go. There you go, guys. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but no, um, it was just one of those things. I always wanted to kind of branch out and do something like a podcast. I, I really, it was always a dream of mine, but it was always easy to say I was too busy. And then March of 2020 changed everything for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, I was home. I was sitting there every weekend, not doing anything. And um, I just started Googling, what, what do I need to do to start a podcast? I actually did a few SoundCloud recordings with another buddy of mine, not for MCU, but just another show. And literally sounded like I was talking through 
toilet paper rolls. It was just terrible. I mean, it was, but I was, but we were forming a sound, we were getting better and eventually, you know, kind of figured this whole thing out. And then I was like, Hey, you want to do an MCU podcast? No, I don't want to talk about the MCU every single week. I don't want to. Okay. Well, no, no worries, man. So I just, (laughs) I put out a Facebook post and uh, Clinton was my uh, buddy from 10 years ago, you know, that we hadn't really talked. We'd been Facebook friends for years because we were coworkers and we connected on Marvel content when we were coworkers. And Emmy was a high school friend that still we connected like every single time you were in town, usually we hung out or went to the movies or something, you know, and, um, or we went to Buffalo Wild Wings and pissed a lot of people off at the bar. B-dubs. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, we, we've pissed a lot of people off. Dancing Queen. Uh, yeah, we played that nonstop on the jukebox until people- it was it was several different versions, though. Yeah, but oh. towards the end, people didn't even care if it was the acoustic. They were getting sick of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So um, I put out a post asking if uh, if, if you, anyone wanted to be on my MCU podcast. And those two were the first ones to reach out. And immediately, you know, talking to my fiance after the show, this is. I felt something with this. I immediately felt something with these two and asked them to be on. They said yes. And every single week, every, you know, mostly every Saturday we've spent together during quarantine, you know, sometimes it's two, three, four hours, but usually we're all laughing. And some of the biggest laughs are when we're not hitting the record button. (laughs) And uh, it's just something really special that these two relationships I've had now that they formed that relationship and that friendship as well. And um, it's something really special. So it was really, and we, we go by the motto, if it's fun for us, we'll keep going. You know, when it's not fun for us, we're not. Um, and we're having fun. And that's, that's what we go into with every episode, with anything we do, it's gotta be fun. Um, and this is just a passion project and we're all having a lot of fun right now. I was, um, going to say too we originally were going to do our retrospectives for movies like we that had been out which is what we did first Mm -hmm. but our plan was to go till the black widow movie release but at that time it was going to be november Mm -hmm. so we got creative (laughs) a little bit more after that right and so we had a few episodes that weren't just on a movie or but it was still marvel themed and had a lot of fun with those two. And one of my favorite episodes we did was the um, Who Do You Identify With in the break that we had between uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and, and WandaVision. But it's just been fun. We always, I don't think we've hit a roadblock on coming up with an idea if we don't have a movie or a show. Like it seems like we always can just come up with something, whether it's from hearing from fans or just out of our minds, uh, come up with something. But it's been a lot of fun. And I'm glad I was asked. Um, I think my evolution throughout the podcast, too, is I look at these shows and movies with such, I mean, just uh, an eye for detail, almost at Hawkeye, but ew, um, <laughs> just an eye for detail. And like, I don't think I did that before. And there's just such a, a deeper layer of appreciation for all of the things that go into making those movies because I'm looking so closely at them now. And so I'm, I'm really glad that I am on the podcast so that I, I have that. Yeah, that resonates a lot with me too, Emmy. And a lot of what you guys are saying as well, I I relate to in my own journey with approaching my podcast the way that I have. And I wanted to also shout out an episode that you all did in, in which you each shared your rankings of the MCU movies. That was very enjoyable to listen to because it was really great to hear the differing the differing perspectives and then also in some areas where you had similar thoughts. And that was that was very fun. 
That was the the closest uh, the Beatles ever came to breaking up was the ranking episode. When uh, <laughs> yeah, like at that point we were at a crossroads: do we continue on or do we not? And luckily, love persevered. Um, but it was close. It, it was close. But that Amy was keeps... all all on you guys because Iron Man Two is a great. Well, I knew movie. it. That's what I'm saying. You just <laughs> two dollars. Yeah, you. It, it gave Amy that power to bring up Iron Man Two every episode at least four times. Right. And uh, she don't let it go. And then we got people that listen who come in and agree with her. And I'm like, really? Really? You're giving her power. Don't do yeah. it. I'm like, Agatha, I want, I, there's more. I want more. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Anytime someone that says, hey, Emmy, Iron Man 2 is in my top 10, she's like, yeah, she just gets to <laughs> So before we dive into this week's episode, let's do a quick go around on everyone's thoughts on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier so far. I have been listening to the episodes that you guys have been putting out. I listened throughout your WandaVision run and your Falcon run so far, and it's definitely, I'm sure you relate to this, a different vibe creating the podcast episodes on something that is newer content as opposed to the older content. And it's really interesting then also listening to to other podcasts doing the same thing and hearing kind of the evolution episode to episode of, of those thoughts in real time. It's also different TV versus the movies, right? Um, right? So anyway, we are halfway through the run of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier already. And I'm just curious, what have you liked about the show? What has surprised you about the show? What have you not liked as much? Just uh, so far, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it's been very different from WandaVision. Um, WandaVision was so unique. And so we were uncovering every Easter egg and we were looking sometimes too far into things. Clinton, how are you? How are you doing? Uh, <laughs> so, um, but we we had such an amazing time exploring all the Easter eggs. And it felt so different than anything we'd ever seen. Falcon and the Winter Soldier felt familiar. yet. I still, what I love about this show is the themes that it's exploring are very different than anything we've ever seen before. Um, we had a listener um, reach out to us via just private message saying, hey, you know, the themes about race, you know, I, I, I think that's something we need to talk about. I think, and we're actually inviting her on our show for episode five um, because we want to give that platform and that voice something that we don't normally it, we don't have, you know, and the themes on race and the themes on symbols and the, just it's it's much deeper than I thought this was going to be. And I guess I should know better by now because Marvel is always surprising me. But, you know, with the Flag Smashers up until one scene in episode three, I I think Clinton and I and even Emmy was coming around where we were sympathizing very much with the Flag Smashers. There's a lot of gray in this entire series um even john walker there's a lot of gray right there even though he has a punchable face by some people's accounts <laughs> um but like i i just think so far the themes the it's just kind of blown me away and the action has been phenomenal as well um so yeah uh thoroughly enjoying this and i feel like it's just continuing to build it's continuing to crescendo i think one was good two was better three was best and i think it's continuing to build and build and build and i'm looking forward to seeing what the second half has i have liked the show as a whole i think that episode two is still a favorite for me mm. um i 
am really interested to see the whole buddy cop dynamic and to see Falcon and, and Bucky's relationship really build, because I think that they could help each other through some of their traumas. And so I'm really excited that they're starting to kind of lay that foundation. And I think maybe not even in this show, but there's going to be a close friendship there. I hope eventually. Um, and just seeing that foundation being laid, I think is the most exciting part for me. Um, and I'm kind of hoping that there is a little bit more buddy cop, like the good guys, like kind of more of that theme in future episodes. For me, it was, it's a very stark difference between WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. And we came into WandaVision uh, after 18 months of no new content and they came out swinging with, Mm -hmm. and this was like on the magic side and like, you know, mystery and like otherworldly things. And then we jumped back in and it's, yeah, it's like, like MCU was like the, especially in the, on the road of like uh, Captain America movies, that thriller esque, like real life stuff. Um, So it was a big jump because we went to like this huge magical thing with, with WandaVision and like suspend disbelief. And then on this one, it's more realistic. We're tackling real issues and real, real things like that are happening now. And we're back introduced. We're introduced back with uh, Sam and Bucky and we're seeing their trauma now and what they're dealing with and what they're having to face in a world that's very different after the blip. And it's been a huge focal point for phase four so far is like, what is life like now after the snap and coming back? And we're getting to see that from characters that maybe didn't get a great amount of screen time before. Yeah. They were kind of Mm -hmm. side characters. So we're digging deeper into their stories and I'm loving that. And with Falcon and Winter Soldier, it started out a little slow to me because literally just two weeks before came off a, a big finale with WandaVision and, you know, a lot changing. And then it's starting over again and, and getting, like Brandon said, the crescendo and the buildup. So episode one was a little slow for me, but it did kind of hone us into Sam and Bucky as separate people and what they're dealing with. Um, but it, like Brandon said, it's just gotten better and better. Episode three for me was the best so far. But I am very proud and happy with Marvel and the direction they're taking on tackling issues that need to be tackled. Well, thank you, all of you, for for sharing your take so far. And a lot of what you're all saying is are things that I've been thinking about as well. And the difference between WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is exactly why I love the MCU so mm-hmm. much. And not just oh, I like these characters or I like these movies, the other ones I could take or leave. It's the MCU has built this world that you can be in such different parts of it with such different characters. Like you said, Clinton, the magical versus the very grounded. And yet what's connecting it all together in this case, in this phase, is about the consequences of the Avengers actions during Infinity War and Endgame, the consequences of Thanos' snap, the blip coming back from the blip so it's so exciting to go from one show to another and know that you're getting something that's a completely different flavor but it's all tied in with the same cuisine for for lack of a better metaphor and it's just something so so special and i too have been loving Falcon and the Winter Soldier in a way that is very different from the way that i loved WandaVision and that's what makes it so exciting to me 
A couple of you have said that episode three has been your favorite episode, not everybody. So I'm curious to hear a little bit more, just broad thoughts, initial reactions to episode three before we dig into some of the more specific moments that we want to highlight. What are your thoughts on episode three, Power Broker? I, for me, the reason that this episode wasn't one of my favorites was because it felt a little disjointed. And, and it didn't I, have a two in it like Iron Man 2 does. <laughs> yes. So that's and why episode, you like episode two. And episode two. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's exactly that. Um, you know, I love the numbers. Um <laughs> yes, you do. But no, the episode kind of feels disjointed. Um, that whole party scene, while I loved it and it was awkward watching them all dance, um, <laughs> it just didn't seem like it fit there. I don't, it was like a whole bunch of scenes that were kind of smashed together. Um, I did think, because I watched it a third time before we did this um, recording, it did seem like Bucky kind of does snap back into Winter Soldier. So that kind of shocked me a little bit because he really gets intense in that fight scene. And I think that that took me three watches because for fight scenes, usually I am not paying the closest attention because bros need to hug it out but um, bros need to talk about the ship of theseus yes exactly oh my gosh i loved that so much request elaboration (laughs) yes but yeah so that i think is the only reason that i liked episode two better it it just this one just felt disjointed yeah it's funny because i've kind of gone back and forth with with two and three. And I think that's a compliment to the show. Uh, I love two in a lot of ways, but I love three because I feel like they're building on top of two, I guess it didn't, it did feel maybe not disjointed to me, but it felt like, Oh, okay. Okay. Let's get on this train, hop on real quick. And, uh, you know, and I can see how that's jarring, honestly, um, because of how quick everything moves. But I feel like you know, we're still seeing these characters build and grow uh, to see Sharon come back and just mm-hmm. whoop some ass. I mean, that was that was really awesome to see. Um, to also see, I, and I, you know, we talked about this in our breakdown and Clinton and Emmy were quick to say, well, you know, it's been, you know, several years since we've seen her. I said, yeah, it's just so night and day from the character, but mm-hmm. her life kept moving on and Marvel kept treating her as her real life kept moving on instead of me. I'm like, wait, stay still. Wait, wait, you should be just like I saw you in 2016. What's going on? Um, I I think it was building on Zemo. I thought it built on Sharon. Um, I did think Falcon, you know, he's still coming into his own. Bucky, I, I just can't get enough of Sebastian Stan's Bucky in this in this run. I think he's wonderful. I think Clinton can't get enough of him either. Uh, <laughs> I saw that too. You're damn right. You're damn right. <laughs> maybe two different things, but I respect <laughs> both the same. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I just, I, I absolutely, and I love the themes they're exploring. With not everything is okay after the blip. Like you see, in Endgame has a completely different feel already for me. After seeing WandaVision with Monica, uh, with Monica Rambeau, and now seeing the GRC, I believe is the name, you know, and the displaced, you know, individuals who've lost it all because of the blip. Um, and how do governments and, you know, world and, you know, how, how do you handle all that? And yeah, it was a great, yeah, we got this. And the nice cell phone from Hawkeye, uh, cell phone call from Hawkeye's wife. Hey, I'm at home, honey. Whenever you get done avenging, you come on home now. Like it's it's not that rosy. It's not right. that sunshine. It's not the fireworks at the end. And yes, for some it is. 
but for Wanda, for Bucky, for Falcon that are still dealing with a lot and for Carly, you know, who's losing her mother and, you know, a lot of these people that one world, one people, it's just, I don't know. It continues to layer. That's, I think age of Ultron was 10 times better after WandaVision. (laughs) And I feel like a lot of these older MCU properties are getting much better from the Falcon and winter soldier. It's adding a lot of context, maybe a second, a sequel to a movie that has iron in it. (laughs) I think eventually one of these shows or movies is going to come out and it's going to be like, Oh my gosh, Iron Man two is the best movie ever made. I'm already on that bandwagon. You edit, right? TK. I do. I do. (laughs) Okay, great. You can edit that. You can edit. (laughs) I thought maybe um, you would start screaming some curse words over it so that I'd have to. (laughs) (laughs) He does that on our show. He literally will just, yeah, you should do that. I don't know it. I don't know what you're talking about. I have Um, to say, I, I am enjoying doing this over zoom with our cameras on too, because you know, I can see Emmy had to keep a straight face while she was talking about her thoughts on the episode while the others started doing the Zemo dance. So that was great. I yes. started seeing the number two pop up on the screen to talk about Iron Man 2. So uh, <laughs> I think we might have, we made the right choice having cameras on tonight. Sorry, I was just going to say for, for the listeners that someone's already been flipped a bird. I won't <laughs> say who, who it was or who by. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, for episode the reason episode three stood out for me is because i felt like we were getting like we saw the lens of these two characters and the lens widened and we got sharon carter now we see zemo it really did justice to zemo for me more Mm -hmm. because i said this on our podcast um in civil war he really yeah he was the main antagonist but you don't leave civil war thinking of him you think of the battle between the avengers and what they were fighting about so we kind of get more of his his story and his world we go to you know his world like his wealth and like sharon carter i mean she came out swinging literally but it if we were on my (laughs) that's right sound effects no (laughs) <laughs> but no, I just, I love seeing how like it's tarnished the word. She had been through it. She's not this like jaded. It almost well jaded, mm-hmm. but like she had like a, she was a lot more raw than she was when we met her before. And she was almost cookie cutter before like cap. And then she evolved like Stop. cap. Stripes are bullshit. I believe is the word she said. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. she was the people that stood up one of those people that stood up for that. And in this one, it's all gone. Like, because the world forgot about her too. So, and Zemo and her stole this episode for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved Zemo in this for some reason. I don't, I, I don't know, but the coat, he stood out a lot to me, not yeah. the day, da- not just because of his dancing. Cause <laughs> those were top notch moves he did on the dance floor, but um, <laughs> no, his character, we get to understand why he's, well, we we knew in the old epi- or in the old movie in Civil War that he had lost his family and everything, but he don't. He's so maniacal in this, but he's smart and calculated with it. It's not just I'm going to go kill everybody. It's I've got a plan and I've I've got this all calculated out how I'm going to do this. So he stood out to me a lot too. I think we also get to see the ones the world forgot about: mm-hmm. Harley, Zemo with Sokovia, yeah. Sharon. That's a unique perspective. A lot of times we see the focal points and this, we saw the ones we forget about. And sometimes those are the ones dealing with the most. And uh, I I think that's a great point there, you know, Clinton. And I just think with Zemo, you know, the Sokovian Memorial, of course she didn't. 
you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to have the characters with the limelight on them. Um, but it's, it, I think it's just as important to focus on the other ones. Um, like we saw, you know, I keep going back to WandaVision, but with Wanda's struggles and grief as well, right after everything, you know, not everyone got the look off into the sky and see the beautiful fireworks. At the right. End. And like you said too, before Brandon, it, it's a testament to the MCU and to this show and the way that they continue to build their universe that it's not like it ended with Endgame. And, and I know at the time too, like fans and, and maybe more casual moviegoers, oh, all right, so it's kind of over. They're never going to reach that height again. And well, what happens after the height has been reached? Like they're making us think about the characters who may, may have been forgotten. They're making us think about the people, like the real life analogs of the types of people who may have been forgotten. And to your point as well, it's it's trusting its audience and it's saying that the decision to make Sharon Carter so different, while it may be jarring, you know, the audience has to say, like, like you said before, years have gone by. Huge events have happened to this person. Of course, she would be different. And that's smart storytelling. And that's storytelling that trusts its audience and really is more committed to world building than it is to just, we'll bring this person back for fan service, right? So I think it's done such a great job with that. I will say for fan service, they did do that in this episode too, when they make Zemo put his mask on for three seconds and take it right back off to get in the car and drive. (laughs) I was like, what was the point in that? Well, this may be a a good time to kind of ask you for a little bit of your comic book knowledge, because I, all I know about the mask is that it is in the comic book, but I don't really know much about the significance of it. Uh, So in the comics, his father had that mantle as well. And they wore it in the comics because they had disfigured faces from, um, I think it was a a super high, like a super strong uh, adhesive. They were using Gorilla Glue as hair gel. (laughs) Oh, Gorilla Glue as hair gel. But it was something weird like that, but it had disconfigured their face. And I think um, one of, I think it was his dad that had it permanently on his face, the mask, but um, in this, I'm kind of glad they didn't go that route because I'm just happy they're giving us the uniform with the coat and the the mask. Cool. All right, I do want to just touch base on on Sharon Carter because I I feel like she has changed a lot, and I really, really, really love her character now. Like I get why she's jaded. I get why she's angry. Like I I love that evolution for her, and she didn't just stay. Um, a a square for a lack of a better word, like Captain America was kind of, um, she, she really changed. And she was like, if I'm going to have to hustle, like I'm going to be the best darn hustler that I can be. And I, I, I love that. I love her character. And I don't know, I've heard people kind of saying like, Oh, well she's, you know, she's, well, even Bucky says she's kind of awful now. Like, no, she's a badass now. And I love it. I'm going to interject here. I'm sorry. (laughs) Captain America is not a square. Okay, that's I was waiting for someone was. to say it. Yeah, <laughs> he evolved as well, and uh, I, I really, he went from the Star Spangled Man with a plan, who was ready to serve, and and as long as it fell into a military line, to no an matter, old man who we never saw again. Yes, and America's ass. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> it, guys. Um, yeah, no, I, I just, I loved his 
his maturation as a character and his evolved uh, perspective of, and exactly to he, but he stayed true to himself as well. He doesn't like bullies no matter where they're from. And he stayed true to that. And to me, to even look outside your own country and to look outside the, your own people that you're serving, um, to stay true to yourself, that that's anything but square. So that's yeah, just- much like John Walker. John Walker's kind of feeling those shoes perfectly too. Ooh, get out of here, get out of here. Clinton, I was just about to <laughs> mic drop and wrap up the episode on Captain America is not a square. Steve Rogers is no. the best. The end. Um, yeah. And Sorry. going back to um, Sharon Carter, she had a great line in which she talked about everybody's ass, his ass and his ass and his ass, but not America's ass. That's a good point. Come on. Should have should have brought up America's ass. I feel like they <laughs> should bring it up any any chance they get. Kind of like how I bring up Iron Man 2. Oh my God. <laughs> do you so do you think at the end of Falcon Winter Soldier, they are going to look at John Walker's ass and say, that's not America's ass. That's not America's <laughs> and ass. Role, and that's it. That's the end of the whole show. <laughs> I already said that in episode one when they introduced him. That oh, that suit is not doing oh. any favors for his butt. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I really enjoyed hearing your takes on this episode. And I agree with a, a lot of what you all are saying. And I you know, watching this the first time, I noticed it's been such a big shift from where we started with episode one, which I I see completely why others might think it was a little bit slow. I really enjoyed the patience that it required. I, I was in the mindset of like, all right, let's really try and get into the mindset of Sam, try and get into the mindset of Bucky alone before we see them together. But now the person the the fan in me who likes this kind of stuff is really excited about you know the bang 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 quite literally that we get in this episode if it hasn't been made clear already in some of my takes on these movies and these shows i am a huge sucker i will admit it for good music choices flashy stylization fashion lighting all of that stuff it totally gets me where i'm at And so the first time I watched this episode, I was so wrapped up in that. And I was wrapped up in the feeling of it. And then afterward, I was like, okay, next time I watch, I have to have more of my thinking brain on to think about, you know, did they do service to the character development and the storytelling? Or was any of that sacrificed with some of the flashiness and the action violence and all of that? And I have to say, you know, after watching it again for the second time, I still felt like it was a a fantastic episode. And... I guess here's the only thing, and it's not a fault with this episode, but I kind of wish that they hadn't promoted the appearance of Sharon Carter so much. I think it would have been cool if she was there as a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, and I honestly, uh, Clinton made the point to the last episode where they're like, okay, we're going to go see Zemo. Why well, even say that? Yeah. Like we're going to see him <laughs> and then just have him in the shadows and have, you know, I think that would have been a better build as well. Um, you know, and I know Sharon's been all over the posters as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that is, uh, I don't know, but it was still to me, uh, I guess it was still kind of like a jarring in a good way. Like when she shows up and then she just basically snipes two guys and then she comes <laughs> in and just handles it from there on. And what I also loved is, hey, we've got trouble. It's not just a lookout. It's also a lookout who's kicking ass as well. And he's she's holding off the, the incoming threat as well. Um, I feel like they she really 
Marvel did a much better job where it wasn't just a, hey, guys, there's trouble. All right, turn around, bang, bang, bang. She's like choking dudes left and right, oh, yeah. triangle choke. I was like, this is sick. Okay. I wasn't expecting this. I was beating him with a pipe. All right, rad. Um, the I human mean, just, shield move. Yes. Yes. I just, uh, when she did that, and then when she turned away from the guy, like she shoots a the guy, then kind of goes away. I was like, there's a guy behind you. She turns around, bop, and I'm like, Okay, you know, why am I telling you what to do? It was, it was so, it was such an amazing moment. As much as, you know, it's really hard to keep anything a surprise in the MCU now. I mean, I think Spider Man 3 is a big testament to that. The rumors swirling around that. It would be amazing if that movie was an entire surprise, but it's still to me, the effect was not lost on how amazing her character was in this episode. So I can forgive them having Sharon Carter in the promo for, for this because of the shock at the end of this episode that I had with a, or IO yeah. showing up because Ayo. that was absolutely awesome. Yeah, that was great. I was not expecting that. Were were yeah. any of you expecting to see anyone from Wakanda? No, but when I saw the Kamoyo beads, I was like, that's, that's, well, I, I questioned myself. I was like, that is those beads from Wakanda, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Are they making something? Else? And then it just, they get there and I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I did not expect that at all. Same. No, no clue. Even, even the first watch when he, when Sam says something about like, do you think the Wakandans forgot about that? Even, even at that point, yeah. my brain was not like, oh, mm-hmm. I bet, I wonder if these people are mad that uh, Zero's out of prison. I thought that was going to pay off in a later episode or series or not episode, excuse me, a series or something else in mm-hmm. down the road. I had no idea it was going to pay off in the same episode. I didn't even think I'm like Emmy. I didn't think it would pay off. I just thought it was like what everyone was thinking. Like Bucky, they took care of you. And, and got I'm, your mind cleaned up and you're trying to bail out the enemy who killed their king yeah. and framed you. Like they're going to know, you know, they're going to remember. They're going to know. Mm-hmm. Gonna, no one's going to know. They're going to know. So I will once again plug MCU in review for listeners who are looking for more of what you've already been hearing, as well as a scene-by-scene chronological breakdown of the episode. Here on this podcast, we approach things a little bit more thematically, focusing on some of the big concepts and then some key standout moments that we like from there. MCU in Review's episode on episode three has been available since Saturday night at the time of this recording. I haven't yet listened to it because I did want to get your reactions. Uh, I did want to react to your thoughts in real time. So in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode three, Power Broker, there was an idea about legacy and about what it means to be a hero. As I've discussed in the first two episodes, these seem to be the big themes of this series. But I think what we are getting at specifically here in this episode is an idea about the legacy of superheroes. And Sharon Carter speaks to that. Zemo certainly speaks to it. And Sam and Bucky are confronted by what that means um, in some of those conversations with those characters. And Brandon, you already alluded to Zemo's mention of the memorial in Sokovia, and of course the Avengers haven't visited it, right? That legacy of the superheroes that they don't necessarily want to face. And there's a lot of talk here about the symbolism and the icons, 
we're going to talk about some of our favorite standout moments from this episode. And I will share specifically a couple of the lines I'm thinking about when we get there. So as we talk, I'm going to be thinking about the connections to those larger themes. Are there any other big ideas that stuck out to any of you in this episode or throughout the series so far thematically? I think in this episode in particular, um, kind of what you're talking about with icons, but like the whole idea of idolization and kind of only looking at the positives of someone and forgetting their flaws that Zemo kind of talks about. That was definitely one that I picked up on. Um, and I, um, did my undergraduate degree in speech communication and I was absolutely fascinated by interpersonal communication. So these Mm -hmm. are like communication theories. Um, and I, loved one, it's called uh, parasocial interactions, where people formulate these relationships with celebrities in their head. And so when a celebrity does something that doesn't fit with your idea with them, like you actually get angry and you have parasocial breakups sometimes. Um, So when I was researching this, it was when I was in college and it was right around um, Tiger Woods had his whole scandal. And a lot of people had a, a kind of break up with Tiger Woods because they were like, how could he have, he never, he never took me out on a date. So never had that. I know. <laughs> but like, he wouldn't return my text. Like <laughs> even though, even though you don't have the relationship with this celebrity, like kind of putting them, like Zemo said on the pedestal and only focusing on the positives that reinforce your, your idea of who this person is. And then if they do something to counteract that, um, like having to kind of, have a reckoning with yourself. Like, do I mm. still follow this person? Are we still in in this relationship that I've created in my head almost? Um, or do I need to just break off ties? That's really interesting. I, I, I absolutely loved it. I found it fascinating when I was in school. The one thing I'm connecting with as well is kind of what I was talking about earlier, the lost, uh, the ones that, you know, the, the, the unheard, um, the voice of the voiceless, I guess, uh, to steal a Rage Against the Machine song there. Um, but I, I really believe in that theme we're seeing with sharing with Falcon, with Bucky, with Carly. I think there's a lot of people that, you know, um, that are forgotten about. You know, Falcon, you know, you're not, you're not our Captain America. You're not our choice. Uh, Bucky, you know, hey, we'll pardon you, but you gotta, you, you gotta make nice and live a quiet, normal life now. Um, Carly, you know, just one of many displaced and one of many that are fighting for their lives and their livelihood and are fed up with being told, just wait, just continue to wait. Uh, you know, and I, I really think, and gosh, it's just really hit home to me how many people um, that are struggling to find their way after all this chaos, like Spider-Man three touched on it very little with uh, Aunt May, like mm-hmm. we've raised $500,000 for the people displaced by the blip. Thank you so much. And it was just, you know, and you're like, okay, that's going to be the, 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 but no, it's, it's much bigger than that. And sometimes those nice little commercials you see the GRC mm-hmm. and restore, rebuild, renew, or whatever the three were. And then all of a sudden they're in tactical gear and guns and, you know, Captain America is in Munich and taking names and, or excuse me, kicking names and taking ass. That's right. Um, Yes. uh, It's just, I don't know, commercialism as well. And uh, I don't know, there's just so much in this show. It's kind of crazy. So I do believe the broad symbolism is the big number one, but I think there's a lot of underlying twos and threes and fours themes as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think 
to what you're speaking about, this idea of, of those who were forgotten, there's a line in the GRC commercial that stood out to me where it mm-hmm. says, uh, helping you get back to the way things were. And it kind of, that I think speaks to Carly and the Flag Smashers whole thing is like, well, what about those of us who never left? Or what about those of us who, for whom the way it was before was really not all that great? Why do we need to accept that we should go back to that status quo? And I can't help but think about how that relates to our own modern world and and COVID-19 and everything as well. Like, should we strive to go back to the way things were? Should we strive to make things better? And, and that juxtaposition too, Brandon, that you mentioned, right? The commercial, which felt very WandaVision there for a moment, right? Yeah. <laughs> the stylized commercial and then juxtaposed, okay, here comes the truck, armored gear. Here come the people who were just going to drive right into a civilian business and, and not quite take the actions to reset, restore, rebuild in the nice, pleasant way that's depicted in the commercial. So I thought that was interesting as well. Very much so. I think the it's, I guess, what stands out to me a lot uh, with this whole series, but particularly in this episode, it's kind of a blend what you said, TK, and what Brandon said. Um, that so, if anyone that listens to our podcast, they know this. A relatability is a huge thing for me, um, and not just if it can relate to me, but just the human, you know, person if it can relate to them. And I love the dynamic of this show because they flip everything on its head. Um, Much like in real life, everything's not black and white. So the guy who's standing up and supposed to be the symbol for America and values and great things is actually pretty shitty person and is handling things wrong and hurting people. And then on the other side of it, the ones that are painted out as the villains to the world are actually just trying to save people's lives and help maybe going about it the wrong way on both sides. However, it's not always black and white. There's a lot of gray area and, and you never know what people are going through until you spend time with them or, or hear their stories. Um, but so much like we see in real life, you're painted this picture like Emmy was talking about with celebrities, you're painted this picture of what someone should be. And you think about, oh no, they're, they mean this, or they stand for this. And then when you find out, it almost comes back to like cognitive dissonance too. Like mm-hmm. something is so shocking to you that you just could not fathom thinking differently. And so you'll never change your stance on it. And this show is really I mean, and I said it with one division too, it, it, you know, digging through trauma. Yeah. It, no, nobody here in this, that I know of in this world has magic like Wanda does, but the core of what they're talking about, oh, do you TK? Do you have magic? <laughs> um, you know. No one, <laughs> but it, it really delves into these issues of what it's like going through things and the trauma you experience. And then this one is really delving into life out after the blip and how, common people are trying to get back to normal and live their lives. And we've got a symbol that's supposed to be great, like previous Captain America or Steve Rogers, but this guy's approaching it a completely different way that is just going to lead us back to the way we were to begin with. So it's an opportune time because of devastation to make positive changes, but we're just falling right back into the things we were doing before. So I love that dynamic of of it flipping everything and everything not being black and white. And maybe people aren't what we think they are. And we never know until we get to know somebody. I don't know mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And maybe I ran it, but that's what stood out to me with this. 
everything I feel like you just said could also apply to the real world, which is, I think, exactly the point that you're making. Right. Like, yes, we're we're like everybody's trying to get back to to normal, but like normal wasn't great for everybody. So why do we want to go back to that? We want to get better. Great point. Fantastic. Very nicely done. Now, Emmy, do you love cognitive dissonance? I absolutely. I got chills when you said it. I love I love communication theories. Mm -hmm. I that is my passion. For for listeners, Emmy started making a heart heart sign, which while Clinton was speaking about cognitive dissonance, and it was very different than some of the other signs that people have been making at each other so far in this episode. So <laughs> we're one one extreme or the other. Yeah. I, I had two for Emmy earlier about that square. As, as much as I love the the gray area I just talked about, us as hosts, we're in one side or the other, black yeah. or white. It's not, yeah, we are extreme. Nice or mean. Yeah. Get one. <laughs> Fantastic. No, I, did. I really enjoyed that that shout out to cognitive dissonance. <laughs> That's yeah. Um, there's also uncertainty reduction theory is another one that I had written down that kind of like hit this episode. But if you guys are done with communication theory, I, I completely get it. No, because... I want to hear about that. Okay. So uncertainty, a lot of communication theories are like they put names to things that are just obvious like uncertainty reduction theory humans don't want to be surprised by things mm-hmm. if you're walking down the street and somebody screams at you like that's oh. shocking we don't want that what if they're like free ice cream yo <laughs> like like at that point i'm like yeah dude for sure so it depends <laughs> on the context of what they're screaming at me. and that's how brandon gets kidnapped thrown in a van and his kidney is sell- sold on the black market <laughs> that happened to me twice this week it was crazy <laughs> Oh, no more kidneys left. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The doctor said I had a weird third one. So I'm here. I don't know how, but here we go. (laughs) Yeah. So, so uncertainty reduction theory, you're trying to learn as much as you possibly can about something so that you're not shocked and surprised by anything. Mm -hmm. And so people, um, going back to kind of idolization, like you idolize these people and you learn everything you can about them so that you aren't shocked by things that they do so that they mm. like you, you know who they are. And I, I think that the same can be true about heroes and like you idolize these heroes, you know what they're about. Like Captain America is, you know, the stars and the stripes and everything that um, Sharon kind of said is like this, it, it's hypocrisy at this point, but to the public, at least they kind of know what he's about and know I'm not going to call him the square again. I'm not going to do it. Don't do do it. it. (laughs) But like they, they, they know who he is. Iron Man, like, you know, that he is a playboy philanthropist, genius billionaire. Like they know. So when he does something, it's not shocking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sorry. I really, I really, really like, (laughs) really like communication theory. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. Really, really interesting. I'm interested to see where this goes for cap though. The cap we have now Mm -hmm. Because in the past, we've had a cap that did the right thing. And and if they let this guy stay in this position, um, I don't know. I think we're going to get, obviously, a, a finale that's going to lead a different direction. But it is interesting to me to see how the people of the world are going to respond mm. when they when he's called out to who he really is. Because he's completely not in day from Steve Rogers. And they've never seen that before. Before he was a symbol and it meant something, but will it really, will it mess up the, the ideal of Captain America if he ruins it? 
Mm. for the mantle being passed. I think we're already seeing it. I mean, he got spit in the face this episode. I think he's already, we're already starting to see some, some tears at the fabric. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fair, but he also was at where the flag smashers were. I'm talking about just people who are watching a man, like your normal person. That's, or if somebody happened to get that on video, the, do you know right, who yeah, I yeah. am on right. video like that being leaked to a news source? That's a very good point. And I think we saw foreshadowing with that, guys, in episode two, where, you know, sometimes you can't punch your way out of things, John. Um, and I think we're going to see someone trying to punch his way out. And that's not necessarily how Cap would have done it or the symbol, I guess, maybe would have done it. And now we're going to see kind of a complete opposite take of that. We're kind of jumping ahead, I feel like, into speculation land. Oh. Sorry, no, that was that's my great. Fault. Totally, totally okay. <laughs> I, I, we're kind of talking about like our favorite bits of the episode, and so what you guys are talking about was one of my favorite bits because I did like seeing spit fly into his face. Gross. It wasn't not, a punch. A, it wasn't a punch, <laughs> but it was still it was justifiable, and I, I I liked it. Um, and I also feel like that scene gave me justification for why I dislike him so much. Like I have disliked him for kind of like not no reason. Like he has been kind of just a little douchey, but like that scene, I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. That's why I don't like him. Completely <laughs> expected him to go off and actually like start wailing on this guy after that. But he did. Right. He's coming unhinged slowly though, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. You can see him start. I mean, even from the beginning of episode two to the end, oh, yeah. you know, stay the hell out of my way. I, I think we were already seeing kind of the transformation of John Walker. And I think we will see that through the, the, the entire series as well. Um, but yeah, very interesting for sure. It's a small thing, but I think it's definitely intentional that he says bullshit, right? That's bullshit. And whereas Steve Rogers was our watcher language guy, I think mm-hmm. whenever they can, they're drawing that uh, that contrast and, and making mm-hmm. right exactly that he's such a foil to the Steve Rogers that we know, and it yeah. does to what you are all were saying before. It's going to make people. Uh, it's going to be a reckoning, a moment of reckoning of like, well, what is it that when we were idolizing, admiring, respecting whatever these heroes, what is it that we were really looking at? Uh, what is it that we were admiring and respecting and idolizing? It, is it? the symbol or is it the person or is it like what is that legacy of what it means to be a superhero and i think that it's going to be really interesting to broaden that conversation in this post endgame world we have a lot of animosity towards superheroes coming from director hayward and wandavision coming from zemo uh, for the reasons that it's coming from him now coming from sharon even so Mm -hmm. it's going to be really interesting to see how that all unfolds the the relatability of the deeper themes here and i won't go too far into it but like it's just say for the world we live in you know we live in america and there's people for someone that it it's worked for them they've had a great life and then they say that it's been great here and then what about the people that it's not been great for you know just that contrast because it all depends on the person and what they've been through your experience is different than mine and mine different than yours so it's not a black and white thing. We all face things differently and we all, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We all decipher experiences differently too. So two, the same thing could happen to two of us, but we're going to articulate it differently on how we live our lives. Yeah. I think Sam even hints at that as well. He said, you know, what usually makes uh, something better for uh, one group usually makes it worse. Yes. And the fact that they're already touching on that, that's a really well said Clinton. Yeah. I, I think we've, 
had a conversation that has touched on a few different moments from the episode related to these themes, I did want to have an opportunity for everyone to share a perhaps another favorite standout moment that we wanted to highlight here tonight in this conversation could be connected to some of the ideas we're already talking about or or not. Um, so I figure we can go through and 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 share a favorite. Does that mean you want to yeah. start, Brandon? Uh, I, Zemo dancing. <laughs> just just Zemo dancing him as long as he's like shaking the dice out on the floor and he's uh, he uh, he's making oh that's that's all I care about such yeah. a deep and, powerful resonance the world we live in today think, and I really think the theme <laughs> of dancing in your darkest hour and continuing to dance oh, and, God. Uh, <laughs> regardless my uh, first thought watching it was like where are the, why are they in a club first of all and not one person's wearing a damn mask what what are they doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's not gonna. It's You're not gonna be the flag smashers that, like that's they they need to worry about in this moment. You need to put on a damn mask. And the flag smashers, they remember their masks. Exactly. <laughs> See. Well, you know, to to what you were saying earlier, uh, Brandon, the reminder of the fun in all of this, right? So we just had a conversation about some of these really deep, powerful, resonant themes, and then there is also so much fun in this episode, in this show, in the MCU. The dancing was truly delightful. As I said, I, I'm a sucker for... Did they need to have another club scene? Like, did it need to be a party that Sharon was hosting? I don't think that scene was necessary. I loved it. I loved the music. I loved the vibe of the dope, whole thing. It's great. Dope. It was great. Wonderful. And uh, Marvel does this great way of transitioning serious to funny. To, they've done that since they began. One of my favorite scenes and I didn't catch it until I watched it again today. Bucky, when they are leaving Selby's um apartment or house or lounge or lair, <laughs> whatever that was. It was um a lair. A lair. <laughs> um I like lair. Bucky, step out of the Batmobile out of yeah. the lair. <laughs> um Bucky does the same hand movement with the guy with the gun that Iron Man does when he first fights Bucky where he puts the hand over the barrel of the gun and then the person fires. And I saw that today and I went back and watched that clip from civil war. And I was like, Oh my, I mean, it was, it was amazing. Continuity, the continuity. And I, I I feel like he learned it from, from Iron Man. And I, I just, I, the continuity there. What I would give me to (laughs) hold hands with Bucky. (laughs) <laughs> the, metal, the metal hand it doesn't matter oh. <laughs> both i would just he would put his hand out like this and i would just do this or, or, or just you guys are twine like, my hand it is oh wow what if you guys were just like frolicking through like you're just going in circles both holding each other's hands we like, could do like that uh swing dancing he, i know he could pick me up he I'd does like 40s girl. music that's he true probably. we could swing dance mm. what is- do the dress and all i don't care <laughs> What if he takes his arm off and hands it to you to hold? <laughs> I would do that. Can I be his formal guy that I just am like the butler and I just always have my hands out and he can just, it's like a shelf and he can just put his arm in my hands when he needs to like You're the arm. sleep. Yeah. He needs to take it off. The arm handler. Yeah. Like when he sleeps, because sometimes, you know, when you lay down and you're like your arm, you don't know what to do with it when you're laying on your side. Especially Buckets on the floor. like Arm handler. Arm handler. Arm handler, can you come I'm here? here. <laughs> They're like, Mr. Mr. Barnes, can I actually sleep in the bed with you tonight? I'm scared. I had a nightmare. <laughs> I don't sleep in a bed, Clinton. 
That's fair. He doesn't, does he? He doesn't, no. Can <laughs> I sleep in the floor with you tonight? <laughs> yeah. floor is not big, sir. Is there room for two your... under that blanket, <laughs> Mr. Barnes? <laughs> well, um, in this if... episode, we don't see a character who I know is also a, a favorite over at MCU in Review, and that character is called Torres. And mm. <laughs> 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 thanks. I was hoping you would do it. For those of you who haven't listened to MCU in Review, there's a, a great bit involving whistling at Torres' name, and you'll have to check it out. <sighs> Yeah, great bit. Brandon His, tried to stop me, but it's became popular. <laughs> yeah, now that people have encouraged him, we can't do it. <laughs> well, we can't say no to it now. We got. To it's possible. Yeah, we didn't get any Torres, but on the phone this episode, on the phone, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a shame. Sad day. So I'm surprised this is your favorite episode. No Torres. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We've touched on it already, so I'm not. I'm not breaking new ground here, but I Sharon Carter kicking ass in yes. the in the boatyard or at the shipping container yard. Um, amazing. I mean, just awesome. I really, I loved that. I really liked the lab scene because we kind of got a history as to the serum a little bit and Nagel. We understand perfected it, so we don't have like these super buff people like it just literally makes you stronger and more powerful and you keep your same appearance and i loved the casting of nago i think this guy delivered very well to that that top he was cast as that Cocky nerdy nerd. scientist nerd. yeah but I, I, I loved i loved that scene too i was a little surprised in this episode that we met dr nagel and prior to that, we met Selby, and both of those characters were built up in such a way that I was like, oh, this person's going to be important, at least for an episode, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. a couple episodes. Blah. Nope, gone. that's it. They were gone no. right away. It was Blah. it was a little, a little jarring, but also, you know, they have a lot of characters that we're doing a lot with in this series, so we don't necessarily need more <laughs> of, of those other people. I, I think it worked. Um, they, they served the purposes that they needed to here. And I, I don't think the... You know, not to overuse the term legacy, but I don't think the legacy of what Dr. Nagel has worked on is uh, over. We're going to certainly see a lot more of of that, the impact of that as we go through the rest of the series. We got Madripoor as well, which was huge, too, from a comic standpoint. That's really a hangout of X-Men play, like the X-Men hangout and the Flash of the Princess Bar, which is a very frequent in place of X-Men or of Wolverine in the comics. So the fact that they even showed that without having him in the universe yet was pretty cool. Yeah, I heard a little bit about that. And I was curious if if you all thought that that was, to what extent are we seeing the integration of things like that as a, hey, you know, we own what Fox had previously owned now, so we're going to just kind of work it in as a fun nod versus how much do you think it is setting up something? And, and do you think there's any possibility for, mutants in this series i think we touched on it our episode clinton clinton really kind of uh we had a discussion about we think they're going to sprinkle them in throughout Mm -hmm. the mcu it's not just going to be this one movie here's here's wolverine here's Here's x-men all together yeah um i think they're doing this on purpose i think they're giving winks and nods but i also think they're setting up these characters that are going to be throughout this and it's universe building that's what i love about it it's not just like hey here here it is i think people don't want the same thing they've seen before i think just you know slowly sprinkle them in throughout the entire mcu I, i do not think this is hey we own the fox property now we can do this i think this is hey we can do this now we can start 
now we can start integrating these characters and their backstory. Mm-hmm. So when we hear Madripoor a year down the line, two years down the line, oh, I remember that place. It's, that's, it's world building. It's really cool. And Marvel's very intentional, right? Like, just like we said, watching WandaVision, it made Ultron a lot better, the mm-hmm. Age of Ultron movie. Mm-hmm. And that was years ago. And I feel like down the road, we're going to be like, oh, yeah, Madripoor was in Falcon and Winter Soldier when we actually see it come to light again with the X-Men or Wolverine or however that looks. Mm-hmm. Everything Marvel does is intentional, so I think they'll play to it later for sure. The MCU has done such a great job of weaving that tapestry in and out. And I referenced this on a previous episode Um Someone called Mallory Rubin at The Ringer used the term living document to refer to the MCU, that it's a living document. And I love that phrase because, like you guys are saying, our experiences of older movies change as we see newer content. Content we're consuming now is laying paths and connections to things that we're likely to see later. And it's... You know, if, if somebody were to ask me, hey, what order should I watch the MCU in? I think I would still stick with, hey, watch it in release order because that's how I saw it. Um, but there's all these entry points now and there's all these connections that somebody who watched WandaVision might then go back and watch Age of Ultron if they hadn't seen it before. And that's true of some people. Some people tuned into WandaVision without much experience with the MCU. And so there's oh, yeah. all of these different entry points. And I, I think it's going to be really interesting to look back on those connections like you're saying a couple of years down the line like yeah Madripoor we know that and I think it's really cool I went back and, and listened to some of your episodes from WandaVision and you touched on how they kind of rewrote like you said a living document how they kind of rewrote Scarlet Witch's backstory mm-hmm. and kind of like um, in WandaVision said oh well she already had a, a propensity to magic because of her um because of that the episode that uh, previously on right I, so i think you guys are saying they're going to sprinkle in mutants i think that they're already here mm. like i think they've kind of already and i think that they're coming and going to be sprinkled in more in movies and shows that we are getting soon maybe even this year like there might be a mutant in spider-man 3 mm. And I also think we're starting to see kind of the setup too with like the Tyler Haywards of the world where superheroes are frowned upon. Mutants, superpowered individuals. Mutants were very, you know, it was it was not easy being a mutant. It wasn't like, hey guys, you know, I'm going to sit here and be in a gym class and, you know, turn my chair around and tell you a little bit about, you know, the value of patience. <laughs> um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, Mutants were on the run. They were frowned upon. They were looked out as outcasts and, and freaks, you know, and I feel like the way, you know, with the Sokovia Accords now and how superpowered individuals more so are as a threat than as, a, you know, an ally, unless they work directly with us like a John Walker they're against us. Mm. And I think they're starting to set up already that mutant story. And maybe it's even more broader than just the mutants. Uh, but I, I think they're already starting to, the, to have those themes throughout just the two shows we've seen so far. Marvel's always been subversive in the writing with the comics. That At the right. time they came out, they would write them based on issues going on in the world. And the X-Men and mutants were huge for their time about 
inequality and, and people that are different and things like that. Um, LGBT issues as well is a big one for mutants and how, you know, they're just born with these powers, but the world thinks they're bad. And there's just a lot of parallels there with that. Yeah, I, I think everything that you guys are saying is really interesting. And, and I think, I mean, to your point, they absolutely can go in that direction of a character that we already know is a mutant. In fact, I don't want to say that it's it's likely that they will, but I, I think that there's a good chance that they will because of the way we know that they lay out these stories. And I think that um, I can't anticipate with knowing the slate of shows and movies coming up, I, I can't anticipate a moment where personally where I say, Oh, it's not working for me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, That's true. I'm true. so excited. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to jinx anything, but it's just that they've been, like you were saying, Clinton, so intentional every step of the way. The last thing that was on my mind was a quality to Zemo that reminded me a little bit of Agatha. And not just in that, like, I really love when they lean into like the campy side of villains um, with with the song or the dancing or like that Loki style thing. Um, But there's something to Zemo's interactions in a couple of places with Sam and Bucky. And and I touched on this before as well, like both he and Sharon kind of speaking to this thing of the hypocrisy of it all, the idea of putting these heroes on the pedestal and in Zemo's way that he phrased it, almost equating Steve Rogers to Red Skull, right? Because to him, mm-hmm. right, using a super soldier serum, the chance, it, sure, you might get a Steve Rogers, but you might get a Red Skull. It's it's not mm-hmm. worth the risk, right? And so to him, it's almost like they're all the same. So there's a lot of, of interesting things that he says, but I, I think this way in which he also is prodding at Bucky to see, I think you alluded to this earlier, Clinton, like, just how much of the Winter Soldier might still be there inside of him. The, the, the thing that reminds me of Agatha is villains being in a position where they're not always trustworthy, but they tell the truth. And I think yes. that's uh, really interesting. He's, that's he, a really good point. That he's, whole scene on the plane, and I, in the podcast we talked about it, the thing he says to uh, Sam and Bucky about what you're talking about. And I, in the podcast, I'm like, he's not wrong though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's making some very valid points. Yeah. The, the danger with people like him, American super soldiers, we put them on pedestals, they become symbols, icons, and then we start to forget about their flaws from there. Cities fly, innocent people die, movements are formed and wars are fought. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that quote by Zemo and I'm the biggest super soldier fan of them all. You know, I think, and it's nice to have a fellow team cap member, TK. So you are welcome on anytime. Yes. We need an even balance like all things should be. Um, But it was okay. Thanos. For real. Like all things. But I I really love that quote to Clinton's point. You're, you're even the biggest cap fanboy in the entire world can be like, yeah, you're you're not wrong, man. You're not wrong. Um, so yeah, wonderful words there and just a brilliant writing it continues for Marvel. I've, I've got to play Mephisto's, uh, advocate here and oh, say oh. that at least they were trying to use it for good. If it's not being used for good, then somebody else is going to take it, use it for evil. And then you don't have anything to defend. Ooh, well but how do you, but how do you filter that out for the good guy and the bad guy to not get a hold of it? Because it just amplifies the person that gets it. So if you're going to let good guys have it, then why aren't you going to let anyone have it? So, well, I mean, how do you filter that? How do you tell who's going to be good or bad with it? Are they a square? (laughs) 
<laughs> there it is. <laughs> no, that's a good point too. Yeah, but who I guess, gets to I guess, decide? Yeah. yeah. The power so broker. F- from Zemo's point of view, I think it's just blanket. Like you take a risk every time. Yeah. Yeah. So just take it from everybody. That I mean, that kind of makes sense. But at the same time, I feel like you've you've kind of got to prepare for Ooh. the the worst because you don't know, like some people are are bad. Yeah. Some people well, Nick you're really really poor too. In the, in the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. some people make really poor decisions. I like. I say this about my students all the time. Like there's, there's no bad kids, but there are kids that make really poor decisions. 100% agree. You know, maybe, (laughs) maybe the same can be said about people. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there are, there are bad people. Well, I think what you're bringing up Emmy and and Clinton, like, again, it speaks to that gray area. Like this is not a show that we're walking away at the end of the episode and and saying, okay, well, this is clearly cut and dry. You know, there is a lot to be, um, you know, unpacked here and a lot to question here, especially as it relates mm-hmm. to our real world. But, but yeah, I, I I love how we have Zebo here, who is, you know, when he says the line about Sharon calls out Sam on the hypocrisy. You know, the whole hero thing is a joke, right? The way you gave up that shield deep down, you must know it's all hypocrisy. And Zemo says he knows and not so deep down. I mean, again, like that Agatha thing, right? Like I see you, she saw Wanda and like, she was going to be able to call her on her shit. And that Zemo sees Sam and sees Bucky in a way that's really unique. Kind of the dynamic too. Now that you just said that TK, I'm sorry if I interrupted. Um, is that you see villains aren't afraid to call out the bullshit. And it's almost like that the good guys have to keep up an image mm. and it almost messes with their psyche having to do that for so long, but a villain will be, have, they have nothing else to lose. So they'll just call it for what it is. And I, I will uh, say Thor in Endgame was not afraid <laughs> to call out some things, but at that point his image was, he, pretty- yeah, he lost everything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's it's someone called it a stone. It was more of a sludgy type thing. Yes. <laughs> um, I thought the the word hypocrisy was was interesting, and so I looked up the definition, and it's claiming to have beliefs that one's own behavior doesn't conform to. Hmm. Um, and so I I just I don't know, I thought that was an interesting term for her to use. Like that was very pointed wording. Yeah. In my head, it was an odd word for Steve to describe Steve because I feel like his beliefs and his actions matched up very well. Was she talking about Steve or the symbol? She was talking about the whole superhero thing. And I mean, the one that she knows best is Steve, I would think, you know, the the whole lip action. But she's jaded by (laughs) what they didn't even check on her the whole time she was gone. Like no one's checked on her. So she's probably a little jaded by superheroes. A lot of them aren't as, um, I mean, Steve was, he was a special, like he was, he was different in the way that he took on that superhero mantle and symbol. It means you to literally say this. I can see you fighting with yourself through the words, Emmy. Because I'm trying not to say that he's a square again for the third time. Um, Even though you say that every time, which means you're saying it, so, you're, so it does defeats the purpose a bit. Yeah, it does a bit. All but right. no, I'm I'm trying to say that out of all of the superheroes, he would be the one that I would say is the least hypocrite, the 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 least hypocritical. Yeah, like his thoughts and his actions really matched more and than he, maybe anybody else. Right, and he tied up, and this is why that scene 
something felt off in that scene because on the one hand, I am here for jaded, resentful Sharon. I think the character mm-hmm. development is fantastic and I love where it's going. What felt off about it is that, and I say this as a Steve admirer, but knowing that you're not particularly Emmy, I think you know further validates the point is that it doesn't seem like the Steve we know who would like get called out as a hypocrite. We know he kind of tied up every loose end in Endgame. Could he really have forgotten about her when he was getting pardons for everybody or whatever? Come on. So to me, that made me think, and this kind of maybe transitions into maybe some questions or thoughts we have moving into next week and the end of the series, is Sharon being entirely truthful? And is Ooh, Sharon that's a very, very good, point. good point. Oh, she's the power broker confirmed. We just <laughs> prediction for next episode. Just gonna, yeah. Wow. That was a, that's a good one right there. I think that she, I I think that she, I'm not going to go so far to say that I'm going to die on the hill of her being the power broker, but I, I think that she, um, very likely could be involved with the power broker or just involved with the flag smashers. Carly found out about the death of Dr. Nagel very quickly. Very quickly. Sure did. Sure did. Yeah, that was something we predicted in ours. We we do not believe Sharon is the power broker, but she does say, I have a lot of high-end connections. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of quick texts going around. There's a lot of huge, uh, huge conversations happening around. And uh, yeah, I, Sharon is much more important than I think she's leading on to, for sure. And maybe the reason that she didn't get a pardon was because she had gone to Madripoor and already maybe done some things that were a little unsavory and not so great uh, legally. (laughs) Yeah, it could be. She could still be deep with the CIA for all we know, right? Like, I think there could be a a few different avenues uh, with Sharon going on that it's not entirely at face value. And maybe I just like these theories because it also is consistent with my belief that Steve would never. But but who got the pardons? Was it, it wasn't, wasn't Steve, was it? Who got the pardons for everyone? Or was it just everyone was pardoned after Endgame? Or after they saved the world? I think that's very... Is it covered? I don't. Is think it just broad? Good. Yeah. I think just the mm-hmm. fact that they got... They they saved the world, so the government pardoned them on, of course, like with Bucky, he had to go to therapy, but there was some you know things right. they had to still do to get the pardon. Um, and Sharon wasn't even in Endgame, right? Right. Okay, we mentioned on our so, episode, though, that that's on Doctor Strange for not making her a portal. Yeah, she was just standing there <laughs> looking at her wall like, <laughs> yeah, like come, come on, on, dude. Portal. Come on, come on. <laughs> that, so, that's a good point, she, Quinn, then. It wasn't necessarily that Steve needed to be the one to, you know, right. make sure that she got pardoned. Um, but even still, it almost, you know, he wouldn't have yeah, checked like on her or had anybody check on it's her. It's almost as like she was forgotten still. Yeah. And it, it doesn't seem in character. You're right. Yeah. But did she do some, did she... I mean, when she fled, she was never locked up with in the raft or anything. So at, maybe after she left Civil War, maybe she fled to Madripoor immediately mm-hmm. and then, you know, done some things that weren't great and then really kind of got stuck there, built a life there because yeah, she still awesome. didn't know. I mean, it's a lawless land. It's a lawless island. So they don't really have communication with the outside world as far as how they run things. So maybe she just got up and involved with that and thought there wasn't, I don't know. I don't know. That's, it brings up some interesting questions about her going forward for sure. For sure. Any other questions, thoughts, predictions moving into next week? 
Uh, John Walker is going to continue to lose his shit mm. little bit by little. Uh, I think we're going to continue to see the deterioration and also the the weight of that mantle continue to weigh him down. I think, um, and I think we're going to continue to see Falcon rise. Um, I think we're going to see just the Chris literally. Yeah, I, yes, the rise. He's going to fly on Falcon's wings. And uh, it was, I, I really think it's going to continue to be this build of the hero that we deserve, you know, kind of. And this also, uh, John Walker's going to continue. He's just going to continue to lose his shit. And uh, I'm, I'm here for it. Um, and maybe we'll see a punch or a fist in the face. I'm, that's what I'm going to say. Episode four, fist in the face, John Walker. It's happening. I hope it's Sharon. I hope she's the one to do it. Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. That would that would, that would be my ideal. Yep. Um, I feel like, and I'm going to put this out here. I'm gonna I'm putting this on the record. Oh, here we go. At some point, Io is going to mention something about Vision. Ooh. Like it's just going to be it. And passing really quick. I think she's going to mention something about how he's in Wakanda. Like, oh, you thought he went to Wakanda. I do think he oh, went to Wakanda no. to kind of get his mind right, like uh, Bucky did. Honestly, White Wolf and White Vision. Here we go. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm putting that prediction out there, and I I'm like really it. hoping it comes true. I think I'm gonna. We're gonna see a lot of turmoil with Bucky, um, with him facing you know the uh what are they called what is io what is the group dora milaje the dora milaje yeah yeah so i think he's gonna have some turmoil there because they saved his life yeah Mm. and he's also trying to fight these people but he needs females help so it's gonna build and build and build and i think we're gonna just gonna every, every episode we're just gonna keep getting cliffhangers too and we're just gonna want the next thing um, I think by the end of this too, though, that Sam will take on the shield and become, you know, Captain America. Uh, but I think there's I, much like WandaVision. I think it's going to be open-ended too to lead into other movies in the future. Um, but I love the dynamic and struggle we're getting with all the characters in this for all their own reasons. But I think we're going to see a big impact with uh, Bucky dealing with being torn between the things he's facing and Sam's going to continue to maybe be more open to taking on the shield after having his encounter with um, an, another encounter in the future. Cause they're going to come to blows with uh, John Walker for sure. Yeah. I, I think that you're, you're on point there. I agree with what you're saying. And I, I also think that on Sam's journey toward taking on the mantle, I think another or really a, a first conversation between him and Isaiah Bradley is going to happen, or I, at least I'm hoping mm-hmm. that it happens. Uh, I, I think uh, I, I'm eager to see that face-to-face, those two characters really connect, and and that playing a role in, in Sam's process here. I completely agree with that. That was one prediction that I had written down. That'd be that, wonderful. Yeah. We're not done with Isaiah. Yeah. Um, I definitely also think at this point that Captain America is going to take the serum. If he hasn't already, don't call I, him that. Don't call him that. He's John Walker. The uh, sorry, yeah, Captain I, America light. Yeah, I <laughs> definitely think that Zemo's going to try to escape, mm-hmm. and I really think that he's going to try to kill Bucky and he's gonna or turn. On him turn. Sure. Oh, he's turning. Yeah, 
Well, I think he's going to turn Sam against Bucky or try to further fracture that relationship. Mm. Which I, I don't want because I want the bros to hug. I just want them I, to I buddy cups. Yeah. They're going to come out of this stronger together, I think. I think eventually, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've only got three episodes left. It's kind of yeah. weird to say. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I think well, I think one of you alluded to this earlier too, but the Carly Morgenthau character turns a corner in this episode, right? So we have the this gray area mm-hmm. flag smasher, you know, uh, not a justification for extreme action, but you know we understand the extreme loss that Carly and the others have experienced, and we we can sympathize with their motives here. She turns the corner that even the other guy uh, Dovich wasn't mm-hmm. expecting in actually taking human lives. And I, I'm mm-hmm. curious to see where that's going to go. Uh, if the other flag smashers will be on board with her in, in terms of that extreme, that level of extreme or um, where, where that character is going, because she's very, very compelling as well. I think they said something very important there, TK, where they said, you know, she provides shelter and medicine, yeah. you know, to those and it creates a loyalty. And I think we're going to continue to see that loyalty uh, develop. I think we're going to continue to see how far does that loyalty go yeah. and how how much does it get tested? And I really believe that's what we're seeing already happening. And I think, I don't know, I, I like, and I think we were, I know I was, you know, okay, I might be a little bit team flag smasher here. Could they go about things better? Yes, but one world, one people, you know, and take care of the displaced and, you know, sitting on six months worth of supplies for no reason, you know, and I was like, okay, okay, then boom, building blows up. Well, never mind. Well, oh, too far. Well, too far. I'm a head out. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I'm a, I'm a head out now. Yeah, yeah. it was. <laughs> yeah, but it was, but it's still compelling storytelling, yes. and uh, and uh, that I'm really looking forward to see how far that loyalty goes. And I'm venturing to guess it goes pretty far. Yeah, great point. It was in the outline, so I felt obligated. Do you have a math fact? I do have yes. a math fact. And it is a math fact that is exclusive to this episode. I didn't have the math fact for yesterday's episode, our okay. episode. All right. This is exciting. Math facts. You're I'm excited about made. the about the math facts. Yes. Thank you. I'm glad. Usually Clinton and Brandon are not on board with them. <laughs> this is when we take a nap during the show. Yeah. yeah. Yes. This is our break time. When she says math facts, it's like, all right, I better go use the bathroom if I need to, you know, whatever. I'm going right. to head out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, Emmy. All right. So I did conversions. So the bounty on their head was 1,000 Bitcoin. Would you like guys like to guess how much that's worth in U.S. dollars? Oh, I know it's a ton. I know it's a ton. Bitcoins are insanely, insanely expensive. Uh, um, oh, my gosh. I'm going to say at least $7, at least. <laughs> price, uh, is, price is right rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he wins. He wins. He's starting with a dollar. That's not fair. Um <laughs> ah, gosh. I, I don't know. I would say, hold on. Yeah. He's yeah. not really doing he's just making the calculator noises so it gets it on the recording. I'm gonna say one hundred million. How many Bitcoin did you say it was? One thousand Bitcoin. I haven't been following Bitcoin, but I I think that they're worth like twelve thousand dollars or something each, right? Oh, is it really that little? I thought it was more than that. Maybe it's more. I'm not sure. I put it in wrong initially, and it was one dollar is worth seventeen ten thousandths of a Bitcoin. Okay. 
Oh, my brain. So then multiply that times a thousand. 17 million. Well, that's not right. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it, Emmy. This is a math speculation. I know. (laughs) Well, okay. So I actually did the conversion and in today's market, it is worth 58,189,774 dollars and 31 cents. But who knows? Because this is 2023. I like that, Emmy. One Bitcoin is $57,769.30. Which is way more than, what did I say, 12,000? Wow, that is high. According to Google. Okay, so TK, we need to come back on your show in 2023 and revisit this conversation right here to see how much it truly is. So uh, timestamp this. We got two years. That's right. Well, my follow-up question is, Clinton, would you pay that much to go on a date with Bucky and hold his arm? Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay. (laughs) Just checking. (laughs) (laughs) The thing about walking in the park with Bucky, though, is like you'd be walking and holding hands and you get a little bit ahead of him but or or you're behind him and you're looking down or something and he's went forward. You're just holding his arm like it detached (laughs) accidentally. You're acting like he's Sally from like the Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> no, my brain, <laughs> my brain is making it like a cartoon for some reason, and like it just <laughs> pops off easy, you know. Or like if he runs too fast, it like you know how when you run, you throw your arms up, and if he runs too fast, like he throws it too hard and it flies up in the air. Just, you know, ridiculous stuff like I that. It could take somebody I, out, but it's heavy. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I want to see it. I want to see it in this show, please, Marvel. Please, I have no other wishes. Just please. I need to see Bucky just yeet his yar- arm at his yarm. His yarm. <laughs> yeet, yeet, yeet that yarm. Yeet his arm at somebody. Maybe we'll oh. get that in the Marvel What If series. Oh, oh, yes. Well, I made the proposal to put the arm on the jetpack of the wings and just go through and let it punch people and fly by. <laughs> like a fly-by punch. You know what I'm saying? They could use that pack and the arm together. I mean, <laughs> if it hits a uh, new Captain America, I'm good with it. <laughs> Just a flying punch from across the. That's where, did that, where, where did that even come from? <laughs> sorry, Brandon. Sorry, Clinton. But I really look forward to the math facts. It's, it's like the the Torres whistle. A couple of people said the same thing, and now it's just a thing. That's a right. Thing. So. Well, I, do, I teach math. Pat, math is my passion. It's great. <laughs> seventh and eighth grade math. <laughs> oh, seventh and eighth grade. Well. Brandon, Emmy, Clinton, thank you so much again for joining me to talk about episode three of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Before we go, remind our listeners where they can go if they want to listen to more of you and or interact with you on the internet. Oh, man. Uh, We can all plug our individual Twitters as well, but our main accounts are... Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at MCU interview. It's one word. Um, And you can find us anywhere you get podcasts. I mean, we're everywhere you get podcasts. I think Um, I've reached out to them all. So uh, if you have Apple podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, you should be able to find MCU interview. And and yeah, and my individual Twitter is the awesome 5,000. I would love to talk nerdy stuff with anyone that is ready to go. So. Um, I'm at happy hippie 320 happy with a Y hippie with an IE. And I am at jump underscore Clinton. Well, honestly, guys, this was a blast. Thank you so much. And I'm really looking forward to being on your show as well over in your yes. territory where we can curse a little bit more, get a little bit. 
Be crazy over on our side of the woods. <laughs> See, a little bit more crazy. Tight ship. Yeah, welcome to the deep south. <laughs> yeah. I can't promise we'll send you an outline. I can't, I can't promise. <laughs> That's absolutely okay. Okay with All me. Right. If you enjoyed this conversation about episode three of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you can follow the podcast at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. You can find MCU in Review wherever you get your podcasts, and please follow them on social media at MCUINReview. Artwork was designed by Brooke Pender, who you can follow at B Pender Illustrations on Instagram, and music by Demeter Salvia, who you can find on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Thank you for listening, and be sure to tune in each Thursday to hear me and my guest of the week tackle the big ideas of the latest episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier.